Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality with an emphasis on BDSM kink and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week I want to talk about the ethics of pornography. Before we get started, I want to send a very special thank you to Savik, Miss D, and MJ, in case I missed one of those on our previous episode. Those are our newest Patreon supporters, and I cannot thank you guys enough. I really appreciate the just the little bit of support you guys give really helps make this possible. If you would like to be a Patreon supporter, head over to our website at wickedfellow.com. All of our social media is there. Our adult sites are there. The podcast is hosted there. Again, that's wickedfellow.com. Every week, I ask you guys for suggestions about what we can talk about on the show. If you have any questions or comments, concerns, subjects that you'd like us to talk about. And last week, I got a really good suggestion from someone who wanted to know my thoughts on the ethics of porn. Specifically, do I think that violent pornography causes harm to women in general? Is it ethical? Is there a problem between creating violent pornography or any pornography and harm done to women? And it was a very thoughtful question. It's quite a long email. And they were specifically referencing a case in England I'm not terribly familiar with. But the crux of that was the perpetrator of these crimes against women is saying that the reason they did these things is they saw rough pornography and that's what gave them the inspiration to do these horrible things. And that is difficult. It's difficult because I think as human beings, we have this weird relationship with responsibility. We really like to shift the blame. If we can possibly blame our bad actions on an outside force, specifically something outside of our control, we're very quick to do that. And if you go way back, it was the devil made me do it. And then it was rock and roll made me do it. And then it was reefer made me do it, or alcohol made me do it, or I had an abusive past and that made me do it. Anything besides I did a bad thing and I alone am responsible for it. That seems like the hardest thing as humans for us to do is just take the blame for something that we did wrong. Another aspect of this is we have this very deep fundamental human desire to understand things and make sense of things and find reason for things. And these things tend to overlap. So when something happens that is unexplainable to us, we start scrambling to find a reason. We want to know why that bad thing happened. We want to know how, who caused it, why this seemingly inexplicable thing happened. And you see this all the time with, you know, the rise of school shootings. Well, why is that happening? Well, it must be violent video games or it must be the rise of anti-anxiety medications or attention deficit disorder medications. That must be the reason why there's a rise of school shootings. We have to find a reason. We must come up with some explanation. Whether that explanation is true or not is often not relevant. If it makes sense to us and it accounts for something that is otherwise inexplicable, we latch onto it. And we love to do this as a society. We really don't like to have unknowns. We don't like to have mysteries. We don't like to accept things that don't make sense to us. So we work really hard to find reasons why bad event X happened. We like to have these really easy solutions to really complicated problems. So the school shooting problem. 
Well, one reason why this is a phenomenon in the United States and not in other countries is that too many children have access to firearms. That's a problem. That's something that is very difficult to solve. There's more guns in America than there are people. And unfortunately, it's too easy for a child to get their hands on a gun in America. That's a big problem. There's always been troubled kids, but the reason we have a lot more school shootings now seems very clear to me. It's much easier for kids to gain access to weapons they should not have access to. So how do we solve that problem? That's a huge thorny issue, especially with our Second Amendment extremists that would rather see the country burn down in the Civil War than give up their firearms. I'm not going to get into that too much. I'm using that as an example as it's much easier to blame violent video games and say, well, we should just get rid of those than it is to take personal responsibility and say, I own a firearm. It's my responsibility to make sure a child never gets their hands on this firearm. But it's the same with all of these problems. You have a loved one that falls victim to alcohol addiction. Well, let's just get rid of alcohol and that won't happen. Doesn't work. And it doesn't matter what you insert into that equation. Getting rid of it entirely isn't the answer. It didn't work with prohibition on alcohol. And even if you could make a very strong correlation between someone watching a violent pornography video and committing an act of violence and say, there, there's a direct link. They did this thing because they saw this video. The solution's not to ban pornography. It's not to take away this entire genre of entertainment because somebody or someone's did a bad thing because of it. You know, again, this is a lack of personal accountability, a lack of personal responsibility. It's not the pornography that made this person do it. They did this thing and they alone are accountable for it. I feel like pornography is frequently the punching bag for stuff like this. It's very easy to cast aspersions and say, oh, the rise of pornography is leading to bad outcome X. Whether that bad outcome is kids dropping out of school or kids having sex earlier or violence against women. And there's no correlation. There's no way to look at this and say porn got popular here and these bad outcomes happened at the same time. It doesn't actually work that way. If you study violence against women, for example, there's no correlation between porn consumption and violence against women. That's one of the things that it's very easy to make sense of. Why would this person harm this other person? Well, it must be the pornography. I'll accept that as an answer, and therefore I can feel better about this otherwise inexplicable action, this bad thing that happened. I want to have a reason for it, and I will find a reason. And if that reason makes sense to me, then I accept it and I move on. Except that studies have not shown that. Just like studies have not shown that playing violent video games makes kids more violent. It makes sense. It's one of those things that seems like received folk wisdom, except that it's not true. And this is a very difficult issue for me because I'm in no way making light of the serious problem that is violence against women. I do take that very seriously, but I don't blame it on porn because I don't think porn is the problem. Long before digital internet porn became a widely available commodity, violence against women existed, and it existed at the same rates that it does now. If anything, we're seeing a diminution of violence against women, which is really good. It's not enough, and it will never be enough until there is no violence against women. But there's no correlation between consumption of porn and violence against women. We like to make that connection. We like to say, 
this person watched violent porn, therefore they did violent things to women. And it just doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up scientifically. It doesn't hold up when you really start looking at the numbers. So the problem with fixating on pornography as a cause of violence against women, you could make a complete prohibition against pornography tomorrow, and that's not going to stop violence against women. How can I be so sure about that? Well, one, look at countries that do have complete prohibitions on pornography. In fact, if you look at places like the now Taliban-controlled Kabul, where they're covering up storm mannequins, female storm mannequins, in case somehow those female mannequins inspire lustful thoughts in the hearts of men, you have a very high rate of violence against women. So if they don't have pornography and they don't have readily available depictions of sexy scenes with women and they don't see women even in mannequin form, what's the cause of the violence against women? If it's not pornography, what is it? And I wish I had a very easy answer to that. I wish I could say it's this. But the fact is we don't understand all the things that contribute to violence against women. In our society and other societies, there is still, even in 2023, a very strong streak of misogyny, especially in our country. We can see it everywhere, but around the world as well. And I think that this is an age-old problem. This is something that far predates readily accessible online pornography. So it's not like all of a sudden when people could watch porn online, there started to be a lot more violence against women. That's not how it is. So it's foolish to say this is why there's violence against women. Now, does that mean it's completely blameless? No, I don't think so in the same way that alcohol is not completely blameless. You know, by and large, the vast majority of people can consume alcohol responsibly. They do not get addicted to it. They don't drink to excess and drive a vehicle and end up killing somebody. You know, by and large, people are responsible with their alcohol. However, some people are vastly irresponsible with their alcohol. Some people are addicted to alcohol beyond what they can control. Some people let alcohol destroy their lives. So what do we do? Do we ban alcohol? Do we get rid of alcohol altogether? We tried that. It's called prohibition. Didn't work out very well. Alcohol consumption increased during prohibition, and we got the added organized crime killing people side of it that we didn't have before prohibition. So it's one of those issues where, yes, this can be a harmful thing. I think that alcohol can be very damaging. I've had relationships destroyed because of alcohol. I have no desire to see alcohol prohibited. I'm sure that people suffer from porn addiction, actual porn addiction. And bear in mind that we frequently like to throw around the term addiction when someone does something more than we do. Therefore, it's addiction. And I see this a lot. There is actual porn addiction, people that it is a very negative force in their life. It's a compulsion that they can't stop. And then there's people that like to watch porn a lot. There's a big difference. We see the word addiction thrown around far too much. You know, kids have video game addiction. People have cell phone addiction. People have porn addiction. People have sex addiction. You're not a psychiatrist. You're not a psychologist. Before you decide someone is addicted to someone, read up on what actual addiction looks like and the consequences of actual addiction and decide if someone doing something more than you do it is actually addiction. So I don't want to throw around the word addiction lightly. I'm sure that there are people that suffer from genuine porn addiction. That doesn't mean we get rid of porn. That means that those individuals need help with it, just like alcohol, just like gambling, just like anything, food. I would say that more people have food addictions than alcohol addictions. 
the rising in obesity rates tend to bear me out on that. However, you know, these are these are lifestyle issues where taking something away completely like the Taliban is trying to do in Kabul, and yet you still have a serious problem with violence against women. So I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that there's a correlation between pornography, violent or otherwise, and bad outcomes for women. Some people are going to act badly. Some people are going to abuse women. Some people are going to be violent with women. And it's not our job to excuse their behavior or find a cause for their behavior. There's a personal responsibility aspect of this that I don't think we can emphasize enough. And I think by looking for a reason, looking for an excuse, looking for a cause, and saying this person did these horrible things to women because they watched violent pornography. I don't know why that would make someone sleep better at night, right? How does that make it better? How does that solve the issue? Does that make you feel like, oh, well, that makes sense now. He watched violent videos and then he did violent things. That's not a well person. You know, I grew up watching the WWF and I watched people getting hit with steel chairs and thrown off of ropes and beaten into a bloody pulp. But even at a very young age, I was aware that you can't do that to other human beings, that this is a show, it's a spectacle, that you can't just go elbow drop someone because they make you angry, right? There's a problem here beyond viewing and then doing. And the problem is not with the source material. And yeah, there are absolutely kids that ended up hurting themselves trying to recreate professional wrestling style stunts. I know this is true. I've seen the videos. That's not pro wrestling's fault because hundreds of millions of kids watched that stuff and said, wow, this is fun and entertaining. However, I know that if I hit my friend with a steel chair, they might get seriously hurt. So I'm not going to do that. That's the personal responsibility part. You know, violent movies, the Saw franchise. We haven't seen a large spike in people getting butchered in weird dungeon-like scenarios because of the Saw movies, because we can expect people to not see something and then automatically do it. If that was the case, if the case was if you show a human being something, you are now responsible for them doing it, we would be in a lot of trouble overall. There'd be no violent movies. There'd be no war movies. There would be no horror movies. There would be very calm, peaceful, meditative movies. Because if it was a one-to-one -one correlation, if it was they show somebody something violent and they're going to be violent, that would be a huge problem. But we know that's not true. We know that's not how it works. So is violent porn responsible for what happened in this case in England? I don't think so. I really don't. I think that if this person had never seen violent pornography, they would still be violent towards women. That's something that transcends your viewing habits in porn. So yeah, there, to me, it all comes down to personal responsibility. And I don't buy the, the devil made me do it, or violent porn made me do it, or violent video games made me do it, or I watched a Saw movie and then I cut somebody up. I don't buy that as an excuse or a reason. And I don't hold creators accountable for what somebody else, an independent person, does after viewing their content or my content or anybody's content. You know, again, you can't do bad things and then excuse it on an outside force, whether that's Satan, drugs, alcohol, or anything else. And, you know, the courts look at it the same way. You may be intoxicated and unable to control your actions and therefore crash your car into a crowd of people. 
And at the moment you crashed your car into a crowd of people, you were literally not in control of your functions. That doesn't make you blameless because you made the decision to drink to excess. That's the decision you made that caused those deaths and the court system sees it that way. So I think the same thing applies here. If I see someone get hit with a steel chair watching WWF and then I go hit someone with a steel chair, that's on me. That's the decision I made. It's not on the producers of the WWF or WWE, whatever professional wrestling is called now. That's not their responsibility. And I've always had a very strong issue with this nanny state philosophy of we can't show people things because they're so impressionable that if we show kids violence or we show kids sex or we show kids any bad behavior, if we expose kids to a gay couple in public, that's somehow going to turn them gay. I don't believe any of that stuff. It's not that easy. If kids were that impressionable, we could show them a video of hardworking, studious students doing their homework and going to bed at nine o'clock and they would just do it, right? No. Now you understand. Kids aren't that way. It's not that easy to make them do stuff via what they see. So for me, that's just not a legitimate excuse. It's not a legitimate reason. And if we look at it as a legitimate reason, if we say, this person did these bad things because of something they saw, you're taking the responsibility away from the individual and you're saying, this creator, this content creator is responsible for this bad action that they did not do. And by and large, that's not how we work. That's not how we function as a society. So no, for me personally, I don't have any qualms about producing violent content, making rough porn, putting out pornography in general. I hold people accountable for their individual actions. And nothing I say or do can have that much influence on someone that they're going to go commit a crime because of something they saw me do. Porn is a very easy punching bag on this one. A lot of people don't like that porn exists at all. They feel like there should be no pornography whatsoever. That porn is the downfall of civilization. Porn is the root of all of our problems. I think Kanye recently said that the Jewish mafia is using porn to corrupt American men. Uh, come on. And if that's the case, I certainly haven't gotten any checks from Big Hebrew. This is simply not the case. A lot of people like watching porn and a lot of people have no problem with porn. There are some people, as I said, that might have a genuine addiction to porn, but that's not porn's fault. That is an individual issue. That's something that they will have to seek treatment for. The treatment is not to abolish pornography or to strictly control what is available and what is allowable. And, and I think part of the problem when you're trying to get very selective, the person who wrote in this question seemed to feel like pornography was okay, but rough porn specifically was the problem. If we didn't have rough porn, then we wouldn't have these bad outcomes. That is a very difficult needle to thread because for some people, all pornography is violence. Anything that has to do with pornography is bad, wicked, evil. So there is no acceptable level of pornography, but we're not going to look at the extremes. Let's look at your normal porn viewer who likes to see sensual porn, but anytime things get rough, that is a turnoff for them and they don't want to watch that. That to me is the solution. You are in control of what you watch. You are fully capable of not watching something. No one's forcing you to watch more violent content than you want to. So in general with pornography, I don't lose any sleep at night because I create rough porn or because I create porn in general. I believe that the vast majority of people who consume the content that we put out 
understand that they can't go abuse somebody and blame it on our videos. I just do not see a correlation there, and I hold individuals accountable for their actions, period. I have no problem with that. There are ethics problems in porn, absolutely. This isn't one of them, in my opinion. I believe someone that is inherently violent is going to be inherently violent. I think someone that's going to abuse women is going to abuse women. They don't need the excuse of, I watched rough porn, and that made me do it. I don't believe that. And I don't think that's fair to hold any content creator accountable for what another independent person does. Using porn as a scapegoat and saying, the porn made me do it, that's not going to fly and that's not going to solve the problem. If we concentrate on that and we say that, well, the reason this happened is because of violent pornography, so if we get rid of violent pornography, we'll solve the problem, that won't work. And it prevents us from finding genuine solutions to this problem, which I think are attainable. Unfortunately, I don't believe that there is a complete 100% solution to a problem like violence against women. You know, it comes down to our culture, it comes down to human nature, it comes down to sometimes mental illness, it comes down to things that are beyond our control by and large. And by trying to fixate on one thing, like violent pornography, and saying this is the problem, we're not going to get an answer, we're not going to get a solution. You know, better mental health care, that's a big one. I think that a lot of people are not offered mental health care at any level let alone intensive mental health care like they need. I don't have solutions for how to grant that to everybody, but I think that we'd see a lot more benefits from a robust mental health system than we would from trying to ban porn of any kind. I've gone on about this for quite some time. I do want to continue to talk about ethics and porn. In fact, I might do that again next week. I would like to talk about true ethical problems I see in porn, things like, I think that porn should be made by adults for adults and how we can do that. I will get into that on an upcoming episode. And again, I want to thank the person that sent in this comment. I believe that they're very heartfelt. I don't think they were being attacking or blaming in any way. I think they genuinely wanted to know how I felt as a creator that does create rough content if I saw that as an ethical problem. I don't. I hope that I was clear as to why and I hope that we can continue this dialogue. If you don't feel like I answered your question or you want to add to it or take issue with something that I said, send in some more stuff. I'd like to continue this conversation. I do appreciate it very much when you guys reach out. If you want to send in some fan mail, leave a comment. If you want to write, if you want to reach out to me directly, as this person did, go to wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our social links there. You can instant message me or send an email, however is comfortable for you. I always respect people's privacy, so don't worry about your name being put out there. A quick note on that for potential Patreon subscribers. I like to read out the names of our sponsors on the air, which is kind of a neat little perk. I never read anybody's full name, obviously. Not everybody wants to be associated with a podcast that deals with sex and pornography and BDSM. I totally understand that. There's a reason that I use the name Wicked Fellow, for example. Privacy is important. If you want me to read out something besides your name, just let me know. Otherwise, I will just read your first name. First names tend to be very common, and if you're named Sam, don't worry about your friends figuring out that you're the Sam that contributed a couple bucks to this kinky BDSM podcast. If for some reason you don't want your name read at all, just let me know about that. I always send a welcome message, and I do ask that information, but I don't want to wait too long after I get a subscriber to read their name out loud. So, 
My default is just to read your first name. If you'd like anything else read or you don't want your name read at all, just let me know and I will respect that. As always, folks, consent is king. Take very good care of each other, and I'll see you next week.